Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house. It is a Thursday early evening after Charlotte FC. Danny Brams crashes out of the U.S. Open Cup, the cup run, the quest for Champions League, the, the quest for the squad's first ever piece of hardware is officially, I hate to say it, over. Yeah, the team was talking about this is a competition they felt they could win together. This was something they were going for, and they went for it, and we won't get it. So uh, until next year on the U.S. Open Cup, part of the joy of soccer is following some of these parallel comp- competitions, and it's cool to to go for the double, you know, try to win the league title and the cup. Uh, you know, both were out, somewhat outlandish, unrealistic goals, you could say, but the cup felt a little bit real, I guess, just because it's a shorter, quicker path. But we're out. New York Red Bulls, you know, muffed and scuffed and slowed down the game and you know, tried to ruin everything and acted like a bunch of little soccer babies out there and then counterattacked and, and caught us by surprise three times. And that's the way it worked. You can, you can call it uh, soccer babies. I'll call it something else later in the show. I don't want to do it right off the top. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I should say right off the top that we were supposed to be back in action at our, uh, at our brewery, you know, digs. We liked it. We had a, a new place picked out in mind. We'll, we'll get there eventually, but we're back on Zoom for another straight episode because in a funny bit, you could say, of uh, universal, coincidental, dark humor, uh, I now have COVID. <laughs> uh, just after you have recovered, uh, I woke up feeling crummy this morning. You know, I, I have, can only assume it came from being out and about all over Uptown last weekend. They say it takes about five days for symptoms to show. This is the fifth day since uh, the match against Vancouver. And, you know, I was just out and about getting out there, and it's very contagious right now. And uh, it's got me, but thankfully my symptoms are very mild. Drinking a lot of orange orange juice here uh, and back on Zoom with you. So yeah, that is what it is. I wish, I wish we were back drinking a beer. We're going to have to put that on pause even longer, and that's going to make it that much sweeter when we finally do reunite for sure. At this point, I'm not going to see it for an entire month, which I don't love. But uh, I'll say this, and I think I'll speak for all of our listeners. Um, I hope you feel better, and uh, we hate that you know this has now gone from me to you somehow without even seeing each other. I don't think you can transmit COVID through Zoom, but <laughs> maybe it's a breakthrough case. And, yeah. And uh, we're going to forge on, and we're going to do the podcast. I'm in the Z-Shed today. Danny Brams is in. Uh, is, in, is in his digs. We don't have a nickname for, for your place, Danny Brands. We need to come up with one. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. It's uh, Bram, Bram's house at this point, uh, Bram's apartment. But, I will, but uh, I will shout this out. Um, maybe we'll call it the Sports Emmy Studio. <laughs> we, yeah, we could call it that. If I, if I lean just a little bit over to my left, you can see both the Emmys for sure. Well, that's a, uh, if I look straight ahead, you only see one. So. Yeah, I, you know what? You, you showed me the second one. I only saw the first one, and there it is, <laughs> right next to those Charlotte FC scarves. No big deal. Uh, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's award-winning producer Danny Brams. Emmy award-winning producer Danny Brams on the show. Yeah, 
anyone who listens to this podcast will tell me, don't quit my day job. And uh, that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy the day job as well. Um, for what it's worth, I'm drinking a beer during the show. Uh, and I'm not going to rub it in your face, but I will tell the audience what it is. And uh, the reason I want to share it is because it was a gift from a neighbor. And it's a brewery in Asheville called Burial Beer Company. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, Danny Brams. Um, but this is called... No, the, but I do, love, I do love Asheville beers. The Surf Wax India uh, Pale Ale IPA. And... I just want to read you the description here on the side of the can because it's awesome. Um, India Pale Ale Surf Wax, which, by the way, I, you know, surfing is, is right up my alley, so I'm into it just to begin with. Um, fear causes hesitation. If you want the ultimate, you've got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. Ain't it wild? Why be a servant to the law when you can be its master? I know you want it so bad, it's like acid in your mouth. But are you crazy enough? Show these guys that are itching their way on the freeways in their mental coffins that the human spirit is still alive. We only live to get radical. Mosaic, Simcoe, and Citra, lots of barley, touch of wheat, the sea swallows the sun, and who knows if it rises again. Via con Dios. <laughs> Via con Dios, indeed, man. What a description. That's incredible. Yeah, that's why I had to read it, and I wanted to give it somewhat of a dramatic reading on the show. Yeah. Because it's pretty epic. It's like uh, the Jay Peterman of beers uh, for any Seinfeld fans out there, for sure. It's incredible. <laughs> so um, give it a try if you haven't tried it yet, if you know where you can get it. I don't. I got it from my neighbor again. Um, so Sounds like you can get it in Asheville. Well, <laughs> I'd like to think that you can. It's Burial <laughs> Beer Company. So we, we've got a rundown for you on the show today. Um, and we're going to talk about the, the cup loss, of course. We're going to talk about the starting 11, which was, again, not what we expected. And maybe not what we had hoped for. Not what I had hoped for, anyway. I'll let Danny Brands give his thoughts on that an insane match an emotional match a dramatic match pressing versus possession uh, new york red bulls were a high octane pressing football club and I, I think it was the first time this season that we saw anything like that in mls or in the cup so we're going to talk about that uh, we're going to talk about mar and some of the the criticism that we've seen and whether it's fair or not camille Uzviak, is it time to to have a conversation about use V on the show I, I've bit my tongue and I, and I think it's it's about time that we have a critical conversation about our designated player and well with the beer with the beer description you just read you know I think it's time to be bold and not hold back and just let go you know what you've been feeling about Camille and what he might where he actually fits into what we're trying to do here uh, Andre Shinashiki I want to give him uh, props right off the top for that beautiful assist to the bouncer Danny Rios uh, the Charlotte FC gave up an early goal in the second minute again. Is it's it's now not an outlier; it's a trend, and that needs to stop. And obviously, there's a huge match on Sunday. The team's traveling to Seattle, and we're going to talk about that match as well. So, let's start with you, Danny Brams, right off the top. 
coming out of the match, what, what was your takeaway from, from seeing the team go down in the cup? It's disappointment. It's ultimately just disappointment. I referenced in earlier parallel competitions, and when it's the day that you are crashed out of a cup, is a dark day in any in any club's season. It is never something that you can just brush off. You got to absorb it. You got to learn from it. And then you got to move forward with what's left and what's next, what's on. So, yeah, disappointment and just kind of an emptiness you know you just feel an emptiness what can you say but the next thing once you move on from there is you 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 try to analyze and i think it starts with the 11 the lineup was way different from what we had projected anticipated and there's some pros and cons there there's pros and cons i'm I'm not going to say it was perfect i'm not going to say that it was horrible the pros the pros with it is strong it showed that we're going for it MAR didn't hold back. He didn't save anybody for Seattle. He didn't say, I can't waste this guy in a cup match. He started Christian Kalina, the number one goalkeeper. I mean, he was in it to win it. But is there a flip side of that that becomes a con when it comes to the cup boys and our boys? George, Mar- We thought George Marks was a lock. We didn't even question the fact that George Marks would start this game. Turns out he didn't. I went on a tangent. Danny on the last episode about how I'm so excited that our cup boys have the opportunity to go up there and earn a spot in the quarterfinals. And when I saw the lineup, I said, where's Marksy? Where's, where's D Jones? Where is, where's Kenzie Gaines? And when you talk about disappointment in the result, I was disappointed that those, three players didn't get the chance to start because my belief is this and listen I'm going to call out who I believe to be the me- the best manager in the world and that's Pep Guardiola at Manchester City and when Manchester City goes on a cup run there's cup players that he employs and Zach Steffen starts in net for Man City during the cup run and he doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't veer from that strategy, and yeah, it cost him. <laughs> yeah. You know, it ultimately did. But it's a commitment. But it's it, a, at least it's a commitment. At least it's going boldly forward and chasing chasing the day with the people you made a commitment to for this competition. I would have rather, and th- and it's easy to say after the fact, Danny Brams, but I would rather have lost three to one with marks and net with gains in the starting lineup with walks in the starting lineup and with Derek Jones in the starting lineup. I would have preferred to lose that way than to go for the cup with the starting lineup in the round of 16. And I'm not questioning MAR's decision to do that. I really don't think there's a wrong or a right way to do it. It's more of a preference, right? My preference mm-hmm. for cup competition is to start your backup goalie from the first game until the last, even if you're in the final. Yeah. That's kind of their chance to shine. So that's a very European way of looking at things, I guess. I don't know. It's, it seemed like the way we were going up, and, up until this game. And again, if you want to take the glass half full side of that, you can say, hey, MAR was going for it. He was putting his strongest A side out there to go beat the Red Bulls and advance to the quarterfinals of the cup. I don't. 
I don't hate, hate either side, but I do think that George Mark should have played. I guess that's that's where I ultimately come. And Derek Jones, for sure. Bronico, again, one thing he showed us, you know, early yellow card, played mostly clean, maybe went a little close to the line a few times towards the second yellow, but was able to talk his way out of it a couple times. And, and Bronico's a pro. I don't want ever to see Brant getting early yellows, but I don't. he's one guy that if an early yellow comes, I know he can play it clean the rest of the way. So, again, I, I understand why against that pressing team, MAR is going to put his number one defensive midfielder in there and not necessarily trust Derek Jones. But in the end, it didn't really help us because we still got Christian McCoon back behind Bronico playing like a wild man. We've still got Carujo in a little bit of a mild slump. He's usually better when he plays with Fuchs at this point for the, over the course of the season. He was decent, though, Danny, um, in the air inside the box. Yeah, but he still had enough. He had his signatures like weak headers off corners that don't really challenge the, the goalkeeper when he's trying to get shots on goal. Well, that's in the offensive box. I'm talking about in the defensive box. Like playing defense. Well, I want to see something from him in the offensive box. He, it's about time. Well, I got news for you. It ain't happening, pal. He's just not that type of player. I think there's a long way to go for Carujo in the final third. I just don't see him as a threat as much as I want him to be a threat in the box. He's a big dude. There's just some center backs that have no clue how to put the ball in the net. And I think that's the kind of box that he falls into. All right. Well, regardless, uh, he he wasn't the big story. McCoon's wildness is really the big story in terms of on the back line. He makes people nervous because he looks like he's nervous. That that's what I would say. He always looks like he doesn't quite have a handle of what's going on. But he is talented. He did cut out a lot of passes. He takes risks. It can pay off. He got interceptions. And that's the wildness aspect of it, right? And I want to be super clear about this: is that his wildness isn't for a reason his wildness is to take risks and i think the final goal of the match that third goal that put the match away that in extra time that didn't allow charlotte to have that final push that final chance to get it into in an extra 30 minutes was because he's way out wide he's he's playing the defender close and he gets beat and it's and and he's trailing so mm-hmm. I think that was a really good example of of McCoon taking a risk, and there's been been other op- opportunities as well, and other moments in the Montreal game specifically. I sent you screenshots from that Montreal game <laughs> where McCoon was at the halfway line trying yeah. to go for an interception, and the ball mm-hmm. gets played over his head, and we're screwed behind him. So mm-hmm. I just think a little bit more of a conservative. Um, strategy out of the back might be better for Christian McCoon. And since we're talking about defense, I just the thing I want to get into uh, is player ratings. And the lowest outfield rating on the pitch was Jog and Joe Mora. And, yeah. and Danny Brams, he was rated a 5.9. By so yeah, that's score. that's bad. I mean, six point three is really bad. So when you get down under six, it's really bad. And what can you say about Jog and Joe? He he looks really bad on the second goal that we allowed, kind of trailing the play. 
allowing that cross that came through to find a goal scorer. You know, Carujo gambled on, on, the, on the play right before it, which allowed the cross to come in, but Moore looked pretty bad trail in the play, like I said. He's, he had a bad game. He had another bad game at a really crucial time when we didn't need him to have a bad game, and it's been up and down with him. He's the T.T. Ortiz of the defense at this point with, a low, you know, lower highs probably, but the lows have been just as bad. And <clears throat> I don't know. I wish we had a better solution. Adam Armour got hurt, though, unfortunately, in the cup. And Coa Santos, I'm ready for him. <laughs> you know, uh, for the second straight episode, I'm going to say, let's get the Hawaiian sensation in there and let him make an, his MLS debut here in 2022. I think when the season first started, I looked at him as a project player, but he's needed at this point. I don't think we can play this whole season with more left back and be a playoff team. We had made the... Too many instances like what happened there. Right. And we talked on last episode, we said, who is is his backup? And right, right now there's there seems to, to not be one. So uh, that's a major issue. And I think at, at some point, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe on the flight to Seattle... MAR is going to have to have a conversation with some of his assistants and maybe bring Harrison Affle in to the uh, to the meeting room and say, "Can you play left back? Can you jump over to the other side?" Yeah, I mean he's veteran enough. I think Harrison could do it. I, I haven't, I don't recall him ever doing it that I've seen in his career. But I know it can be tough for some players. But I think he could do it. Sure, it's an option. I think you have to come up with all options. So. Uh, remember, you can follow us on Twitter at For the Crown Baby. Um, thanks so much for for your support there, our listeners. Uh, Danny Brams, we're almost at the 200 mark. Uh, we we've had a really fun uh, week on on social media, and uh, we really appreciate it. And I just wanted to share quickly um, some responses. Uh, on social, it's something we really like to do. Some of our tifos uh, chimed in. Our, our tremendous friends of the show. You know, last night I tweeted, full-time, Charlotte FC has crashed out of the cup. Drop your post-game thoughts. Uh, Russell Bowman chimes in. He says, poor defense beat us. Spine has to get stronger. Brendan Wilhide chimes in. He says, an attacking midfielder to link up play is a must in the summer window. Midfield far too disjointed now and a complete lack of cohesive play going forward. Now, that's that's super, super critical. Um Pep's burner. We already men- mentioned Pep <laughs> on the show. Um, and this handle is at Liverpool CLTFC, and then profile name is Pep's burner without a picture. So I'm not going to read it. You know why? Because I have a very, very specific rule when it comes to social media. And it's because I've been a target of social media bullying, and uh, frankly, I hate it. And I don't engage with nameless, faceless people on social media sorry peps burner <laughs> so everybody's critical and now this is in the moment and i'm curious why you think people were critical was it the pressing first possession match that we saw something different for people to react to yeah man i think it's clear that people are, are tired uh or there's a vocal segment i can i can say of the fan base that's just tired of the style that's developing which is just a, a sheer commitment to resetting and recycling and 
not pressing forward past the midfield line if you don't have something beautiful and perfect right laid out in front of you, taking fewer chances, which everyone seemed all in on that. You know, when it was turned into the beautiful 17-touch goals against New England, everybody loved MMR style. It was like, oh, the genius from, from Spain won the South American League. He's Now he's with us. <clears throat> I don't know. Now the critics come in because they don't like when it doesn't work out. It, it seems a little, little quick to me. It seems a little hasty. It seems way too soon to be criticizing MIR, someone who has proven he can do it, someone who is the youngest manager in MLS. So he's doing it with a new style, with a new way, new sort of foundational things that he has learned in his young career. And I just don't like the flip-flopping, I guess. I'm going to stick with MAR in a, in a in this rough patch because it seems like people are starting to turn on him, and I won't I won't be turning on him anytime soon. I know I know things didn't work out. Once again, just like Montreal, if you rewatch this game, you're going to see some really strong play by Charlotte that gets burned by a couple of bad moments, you know, just moments of madness and and <laughs> things that that just losses of focus and concentration at critical times, which, again, that goes to coaching as well, but I'm, I'm with MAR. I, I ride with MAR. It, it, you know, he's trying to, he's coaching for the whole season. He's coaching for the next three to five years, not just this season, while still trying to keep it focused on the day-to-day and the week-to-week, so I'm not jumping ship. How could you jump ship? What what MAR has is doing with this this club right now is it's unbelievable Danny and for people to think that you know he might be the wrong person for the job or for people to think that his gameplay and his style is not right for this squad I'll ask you this what is the alternative this squad was built from the back to start and mm-hmm. in fact, I think MAR, and this is where I disagree with some people um, who are close to Charlotte FC about, and I've heard some people say, you know, MAR doesn't put pressure, the pressure that MAR puts on the front office doesn't equate to player signings. I couldn't disagree with that more. MAR. There's a reason why Andre Shinyashiki's on the squad. There's a we- reason why Kerwin Vargas is now on the squad. It's because Miguel Angel Ramirez is the type of manager that is going to bang down his sporting director's door and say, back me. I need players. Mm-hmm. And you know what the best managers in the world do? They put pressure on their front office to back them. And they do it behind closed doors as much as possible. Right. I mean, Miguel has made a few press conference comments when he's been specifically asked, but you have to think that is sort of the tip of the iceberg as far as what may be going on in the offices every day, what in their meetings and whatnot. Yeah, and if there's information getting out there and from one source or another that says, "Yeah, we in the front office we make our own decisions. We don't we don't bother uh, to listen to what Mar wants." <laughs> If that's the case, then that person should be fired. <laughs> yeah, because there's one there's problem. there's one part there's one person in our organization that is our most 
brilliant soccer mind, and that is the manager. Mm-hmm. Let's if we could power rank, and I'm not going to do this. If we were to power rank soccer minds within the organization, I challenge you to come up with somebody that's number one besides Mar. Fuchs, maybe. <laughs> that's about all I can do. But I'd I'd stick with Mar for 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 now. Yeah. So I mean, there's some, some certain things that have gotten out there, and um, I think I think it's natural. I mean, I think people want to criticize. They want to have a, a reason. They want a, a finger to point. And I'm not saying it's necessarily malicious. I think it's just a natural human reaction to say, hey, this really unpleasant thing happened. Why did it happen? You, you know, like, what, what is the reason? What is? What can we prevent? What can we fix? What needs to happen so it doesn't happen again? So I, you start to look for a scapegoat or, you know, a, uh, the, person of, the person responsible, someone to hold accountable. And people start naturally turn their eyes to the manager. They think, oh, our, you know, people love the players. People say, oh, our players are great. The, couldn't be the players. The players are just executing a bad game plan from the manager. Or the wrong players are out there a lot of the times. Or the wrong players got pulled off too quick or didn't sub in fast enough. I have some of those thoughts. I think Alan Franco should have started. I would have started Vargas. But I'm not going to necessarily make that the backbone of my criticism of, of anything related to MAR yet. I think those conversations are still months and months away. So we'll see. I think maybe I'm crazy, but I, I'm going to look for the scapegoats and the uh, accountability factor from the players way more than I am the coach. The coach can only do so much when it comes to sports. The players have to take it on themselves, especially on a soccer pitch, you know, where you have the ability to go out there and make stuff happen, beat guys and, and run into a space that's unoccupied and, you have so much agency on a soccer pitch, even within a system that you're trying to play for a coach. So I, I, I didn't see it last night from a few guys, namely, and I think I just want to tee you up, John, because I think we both are in agreement. But someone who's not really holding his weight right now for Charlotte FC. And we're we're going to get to that in a second. But first, <laughs> since, we're, since we're on MAR, um, one thing I wanted to make sure that we did was read some of his quotes from last night's press conference. Good call. And... Um, there is one I know that threw people off for sure, which was a little weird. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know if it's part of this package that I'm about to read, and if it's not, maybe you can add that one on. Uh, but I'll, I'll say this, and and I think it gives great perspective into last night's match. Quote: Maybe it's the game I am most proud of this season because they understood the game plan, they executed really good, they understood how to play against Red Bull, defending and attacking. It's a very demanding team. And our answer was so positive. It was so difficult. It was tight. A game on a very early goal. And the second goal from them came from our best moment. And I think that was one of the most disappointing things about the match. Is that as soon as Charlotte FC in the second half started to have um, the the lion's share of, of chances. And started to really knock on the door to, to go ahead. A quick counter and all of a sudden you're down. But MAR goes on and says, we were dominating the game, trying to have chances, but one mistake against these kinds of teams and this quality of striker, they punish you. I believe if someone didn't watch the game and just saw the game, they would say Red Bull was much better than Charlotte FC, but today it was not my impression. Their bench was very, very frustrated because we were performing much better than them. So... Uh, it was was the quote that you picked out part of that discussion? Yeah, yeah. I, I was referring to the uh, 
the very beginning where he said, I think it's where the most proudest performance I am of the season because it's just weird to hear that coming from a coach in a 3-1 loss. I, I get why people, at least at the very least, would have raised eyebrows on a quote like that. But I'm trying to think, I, I get the certain point of view that Miguel's coming from on there. I'm just not sure if it was the uh, the right uh, the right tone to set. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear I'm proud of a three one loss. They just don't. It's the it's, you know it's the wrong terminology. Totally understand, and I think on on, a, on the, at the surface, sure, I understand. But um, at halftime, being that it was one one. I think first and foremost, he's super disappointed that the team concedes early again, and that's a problem. But, but the response so quickly from Danny Rios, impressive, right? Right. And again, it's the second match in a row you concede early, which sucks, but it's the second match in a row where the team responds, and that response is, is important. So my takeaway at halftime of this match I looked at Rachel, we're watching the match together, and I said, I got bad news for you, Charlotte FC is going to lose this match. Wow. And the reason why it was so obvious to me was because New York Red Bull, the style of play was something that this team had never played against before. Mm Mm-hmm. It was chaotic. It was disruptive. It was instigating. The fact that there wasn't a red card in this game is, to me, the most yeah. shocking result of this yeah. match. Yeah, no doubt. Because if I was playing in that match, I would have got probably sent off in the 55th minute. Like, I would have lost my shit. They were diving everywhere. They were instigating. And the referee was such a huge part of this match. Yeah, can't deny that. Because they wanted him to be. There was no game flow. And the fact that Charlotte FC was able to put up with all of this while on the road in a small shit stadium, Mm -hmm. if I'm the manager, I'm proud of this team too. So you put all that together and you think about all those other factors besides 3-1. to Sure, yeah, look at a box score. 3-1 to they lost. Not proud. But... You put the whole package together. You don't have your captain, Christian Fuchs. And you're dealing with with a squad that presses you like crazy. And you're dealing with players who are diving all over the place and trying to take you out of your game. And all of a sudden, in the second half, you've, you've taken the game over. That leads me to, I think, the next part of this discussion, and it's the chance the big chance that when I look back at this 90 minutes, if this chance goes into the back of the net, we're talking about a win. We're talking about hosting a quarterfinal U.S. Open Cup match at the keep in front of our fans. But the chance went awry. We'll tell you who made the big mistake, and we'll have a, a, a discussion about whether there's a player on this squad that still has a lot to prove and why. We're back after this. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. Follow Danny Brams on Twitter, at Danny Brams. Follow me on Twitter, at John Hayes on Air. We love talking to y'all. And, of course, follow the show, at For the Crown Baby. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, Charlotte Soccer Show. Quick break uh, to wet the whistle, uh, drink a little more OJ. Uh, John's drinking some brews, and we went to break with a tease about the. It's time to unload, and this is some thoughts, John, that you've been kind of sharing with me offline a little bit uh, for the past couple of weeks of just wondering how good is this second DP that we've got. I know he's very popular. Uh, with the, the fan base just as kind of like a DP because of getting that role, it kind of draws the fans to you, but he's not really holding up his end and people are criticizing MAR for not playing him enough. I'm wondering if he's playing him too much. So we're talking about Camille Yusviak and we're going to dive into this conversation, Danny Rams. I'm going to, I'm going to think out loud because it's, it's something that to me has a lot of different layers and feel this on you. Yes, it is. It's an onion that needs to be peeled, and hopefully, I don't start crying, um, which I may. You know, my my eyes are going to water because I think you know designated players are clearly, you know, there's a lot of swings and there's a lot of misses when it comes to DPS. So I think let's start there. Is that just because someone comes into this club as a designated player doesn't mean that it's going to work? Right, that's fair. There's there's history in MLS that that yeah. and, and it's factual history in the MLS that proves that. Yeah, the teams have whiffed on DPS before for sure. So we'll start there. And the reason why I'm I'm concerned about Camille is because on the pitch he's showing skill when he's going one on one with a player. He's showing the ability to play on the wing, to make passes. He's not necessarily showing pace. He's not necessarily showing the ability to link up with the midfield. There were spells during last night's game where... And think about it this way. Shinyashiki last night or Camille Yusviak? Who had a bigger impact on the match? Andre, easy. Andre was doing – he was drifting over into the right side. You know, Andre was lined up on the left, but he was going over and making things happen from the right side at certain points in the first half that I saw. You know, I don't know if that's a – if he was horning in on Camille's space or just going somewhere because something needed to happen and Camille wasn't doing it. So here's the disclaimer about this this conversation, Danny Rams, is that I am a – believer in allowing somebody to come to the United States, get acclimated with the league, get acclimated with the teammates, get acclimated with the style of play, and give someone time. And I am willing to give Camille time. I'm willing to give him through the summer to get better. But right now, He's not good enough. There was a chance in the match last night that was a sitter header four yards from net, and it yeah. didn't even go on goal. It yeah. was the moment in the game that would have changed everything. Could have put us ahead, given us a, a chance to bear down even more defensively and uh, protect against some of those counterattacks that Klamala was able to do late in the match. It would have changed everything. It would have put us ahead. It wouldn't have guaranteed us a win, 
but it would have it would at the at about the hour mark of a match it would have meant everything in the world for sure and and it was a it was a it was a it's a chance that a professional football player has to put a put like you got to put that thing down into the ground you know like you can't sky you can't sky it over the bar from point blank range on the header you got to get up and over it you just i mean you got to and he couldn't couldn't get it done and People want to talk trash on my boy Alan Franco all year for a couple missed chances he had where he had a lot more work to do than what Camille Josiak had uh, last night. So there's a couple of different things here I think that we need to unpack. Aside from the fact that he's a designated player, but and I want to address the supporters directly on this one. And I want to... Um, address the the TIFOs, our tremendous friends of the show. And I want to address our non-TIFOs, our non-tremendous fans of the show. (laughs) And what I want to do is just ask, I I want you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, before Camille Yuzviak signed for Charlotte FC, what did you know about him? Have you ever heard of him before? Did you ever watch him play? When he signed, were you excited that we had another DP? Were you excited about the possibility of of another Polish player linking up with our designated player, Karol Swiderski, who, by the way, is a tremendous talent. Camille doesn't have the ability to play striker like Karol does. Yuzviak's a winger. Swiderski is a goal-scoring striker. And I ask myself this question, Danny Rams. Did we sign Camille Yuzviak because we wanted to have Karol Swiderski feel more at home with a Polish player up front that he knows that has had team with, has time with the national team? To make him feel more comfortable, or did we sign, or did we sign him because of his skill set? Which one is a is a mixture of two? And listen, I'm not making a statement here. I'm asking questions. You're just asking questions, baby. Yeah, do your own research. I, I think Camille is someone who was in the picture, and he had his injury, and then he came back from the injury, and Machis fell apart. And if we had Darwin Machis, we wouldn't have Yusviak. But it is what it is. We, we did bring him in. I think it's going a little too far to say that we brought him in just to be a Polish buddy for Carroll. That's, I don't think the team would, would commit that much resource to, to that fringe of a benefit. They believe in him. I want to believe in him. Uh, plenty of people do believe in him, and I want to be I – be, I, I, sometimes I find myself so at odds with the Charlotte FC fan base, and I, I just want to be, like, in, in block. My, I want to be of one mind with my fellow supporters. You know, I'm not trying to intentionally be some contrarian that's always going against what other people are saying. But in this case, I just really don't believe in UCAC right now. I, I want to be clear about something to our listeners, and this is personal. You know, I've known Danny Brams now for years. Um, he's somebody that I that I respect, and the reason why is because he's an independent, deep thinker. He's not what you would call a sheep out in the pasture just being shepherd around going and saying and doing 
what other people are doing. And I, I think Danny Rams, you might say the same thing about me. For sure. But the reason why I'm attracted to your opinions, I'm attracted to your personality, is because you have the ability to think critically, understand a situation, and hash it out. And that's all that we're doing here about Yuzviak. And I think that there's some people in our fan base that have fallen head over heels with this guy for absolutely no reason. For a few dribbles and a failure to draw a penalty and a blown header over the bar when we could have taken a lead in the cup at this point. Yeah, uh, you know, Shin Yashiki has shown way more. Andre really has become our best attacking player. Camille needs to get on that level fast. Andre is not our best attacking player. Swiderski is our best attacking player. Oh, most talented, yes. But who's made the most impact in the last four matches? Andre. Swiderski was the one, Danny Brams, that teed him up on the back post. Yeah, that was a nice cross. It was a beautiful (laughs) cross. I saw it come in. I was watching in the Men's Street Inn, watching it come in. It was gorgeous. But Andre did finish it with the header into the ground, which Camille did not do last night against Red Bulls, you know? so Wow. It's almost like I, I did that on purpose, but I didn't. Uh, and it's a great illustration of just the difference between these two players. And, again, um, just to wrap up this part of the show, and we don't need to go any deeper than that. I just want people to think critically about these players. Not in a nasty way, just in a healthy way, right? There's so many players on this squad that no one really knew <laughs> Until recently. And it's okay to give someone time. It's okay to like a player. Listen, I'll raise my hand and say, I really like Mackenzie Gaines. And the reason why I like Mackenzie Gaines, I have my own reasons. He's super pacey. He is always ready to play. He wants to play. And I think he offers something that no one else on the squad does. And that's why I like him. So if you have your own reasons for Camille Yuzviak, if, if you have that same sort of ideal about him moving forward, then great. I think over the next how many months, three months, four months, five months, 12 months, we're, we're going to potentially see the best out of Camille. But I promise you what we've seen from him right, so far this season is not his best. And I think that's where I want to end it. Like, I'll be happy to change my tune. I, I think that if we had him on the show, and by the way, I'd love to have him on the show. And I'd love to ask him this question. First question I would ask, well, besides saying hello, how you doing, how you being acclimated to Charlotte, do you like the city, you know, being a regular person and being nice. How much honor do you feel when they do the post now? <laughs> we would ask that for sure. But I would also ask, do you feel like you've been at your best for Charlotte FC? And I'm willing to bet he would say no. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to stalk top bin 90 when he's stalking Camille Yusviak, and uh, that will give us the best chance to ask that question sometime soon. But, uh, or we could invite him on the show. We'll see. He may not want to come after this most recent little uh, tirade we both went on, but let's end it there. Like you said, let's talk about someone who sucks way worse, and that's Tom Edwards. The Red Bulls, absolute trash throwing themselves to the ground. You teased some big bomb you were going to drop at the top of the show that when I called them soccer babies, you said you had a much stronger term. So uh, have it. let's have it. My term is bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that that's all he's a bitch and i would have told him i would have told him to his face if i had a chance to last night that smirk man i would have loved to wipe that smirk off his face i was heated watching that match because of him he was an instigator and he got me good yeah he was the fire starter you know they were uh, drawing yellows and starting little shoving matches and near reds could have been had it's a shock that no one got a red in that in that match and it really I would say Jordi Alcivar is a little bit of a hothead as just a young guy, but he was sort of in good hands with the veterans sort of helping keep him on even keel. He's nowhere near as bad as what the, some of the Red Bull guys were doing as far as instigation. Maybe I'm being just biased, but I really think our guys' hands are mostly clean in, in most everything that was going on last night. It was tactics of a pressing team that also needs to you know slow things down at time, get fouls going, whatnot. Kind of embarrassing, but... Tactics are tactics, you know. I at the end of the game, when when teams are milking the clock, when time wasting is going on, you know, you hate it when it's being done against you. You love it when you're doing it to somebody else. That's that's soccer. So, I, I what I like to do, uh, Danny Rams, is with that put a bow on the cup and move ahead to Seattle. Sure, I think we can talk about it in terms of like something that is sort of a weakness that's a, a appearing that we thought was a strength. And that is the defensive back line. We made some points on it earlier. And now as we go to Seattle, a team that known for scoring a few goals at home, they have a great attacker. Raul Rui Diaz did not, he's not left for any international duties. So he's, we're going to be facing him. Uh, Lodero, one of the all time MLS greats, Albert Rusnak, a very strong, you know, world-class player guy who plays for his national team in Europe is that their new guy. They got Christian Roldan, just a, one of the best American MLS players for sure. Guy who's kind of a fringe national team player, but plays really well for the Sounders. There's just so many dangerous guys that can, can burn us. They got a great goalkeeper, solid defense. And they're one of the best teams in MLS. I think I've called them the model MLS franchise before, and I'll, I'll go, I'll keep that moniker going, but, Charlotte FC can learn a lot from going up and seeing how they do things. And I think it's probably a spot where we go up and play. I'm not sure we're going to go play beautiful soccer up there in Seattle. Let's just put it that way. I think it's – if we could grind out a nil-nil against the Sounders, I'd be very happy. Yeah, and I believe that would be our second nil-nil road result of the season. Yeah. Yeah, which, well, Seattle has a lot more firepower than Colorado, but yes. So – the precedent is there. We've done it before, and we could do it again. Um, my question is is about the squad, right? When you go for a cup on a Wednesday, and you got to get on a flight to Seattle on a Friday, I, I don't think they flew today. I think they're going to fly first thing tomorrow. Maybe they flew today. Maybe they flew right from New York. I'd, I'd, I'd have to know. Um, yeah, I'm not, tough I'm, to say. I'm not sure, but if I was, if I had the money and I was pulling the strings, I would have sent them straight from New York to Seattle. Yeah, well, I mean, we do. You know, it's not till Sunday night, so they they can uh, take a little bit of time, get acclimated to the West Coast. The squad is going to be interesting because I think it's going to be sort of it's going to look like a give up squad. You know, it's still going to be it's going to be guys who didn't start these most recent stretch of games, so. I think this is where you might actually see Derek Jones come in and start and give Bronico the rest. 
I think Franco comes back in as a starter. Probably I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to predict Alan Franco starts over Bender for the third time in a row and, and probably end up being wrong three times. There's no, 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 Brams, Brams. There's no chance that Bender is starting in Seattle. No chance. You have to think he, he just is not getting it done. He's, he's trying. He has good ideas. He has much to learn, but I, one thing I think he was better last night. He was better last night than he was um, against Montreal. Yeah, and uh, against in this whole recent stretch of games, I just don't think he's been been that good. Franco, not sure what's up. He he wasn't really too highly rated himself after coming in as a sub. Didn't have a ton of impact, but I just i i did I did keep my eyes on him. I see a lot of good off the ball running and. And cutting yeah. things out and organizing and whatnot when the ball when the ball's not near him. Could uh, I tweeted from the show. Uh, yes, yeah, I told you that earlier this week. I, I told you what was going to happen, Danny Brams. I said he's not starting the cup match, and he'll start against Seattle because it's too quick to start him in that cup match. He had two practices. Now, like they need him to start badly. Mm-hmm. They need him in this match. I, I I think he should start against Seattle because what it does is it, you know, Seattle is going to prepare for a Charlotte FC team that likes possession, that they know what to expect, and that's fine. Vargas offers uh, unpredictability. Mm-hmm. It's tough to prepare for a Vargas. You're like, okay, I've seen him play. I saw him come on a couple times. He's new. He's solid. All of a sudden, he starts, and you've got to deal with him for 70 minutes. And that game plan might change a little bit if you're Seattle. So if 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 he's feeling good, Vargas, I'm talking about. If he's feeling great, if he's feeling like he wants to play 60 minutes, uh, Sunday night against Seattle is is perfect. It, it's a tradition in my recent following of MLS, at least, that the newcomers can come in and just sort of catch, take the league by storm, catch the league by surprise. It doesn't always happen, but Vargas has a chance to do it. And if Correct. he was to get his first start, he could be one of these guys that everyone's talking about for the when it comes to your weekend recaps and things like that. Of the league buzz is on this new boy that just showed up out of Portugal via Colombia, and we'll see. It, it could be awesome if he was to get get on the score sheet or just make some excitement happen for maybe even go the full ninety, as as you like to say. Who knows? I don't ex- I don't expect him to do that, but I do expect yeah. him to. To at least play, um, whether it's a starting role or a substitution role, I, I expect him to do that. And one other guy that we know will be in the squad who came in for a cameo at the end of last night's match is Jalen Lindsay. I think Lindsay comes back in for Apple now. Yeah, I think my personal take on it is it feels like Miguel sort of let Lindsay go for a while, learn a bunch on the field, and now is pulling him for a couple games and saying, "Hey, let's let's watch from the sidelines and let's see how Harrison Apple handles his business out there." And see what you can learn from that while you rest your body a little bit. Maybe wrong, but Lindsay did sub in last night, so I, th- I think he probably comes back in the starting lineup. We'll see. We'll learn. It will learn something if not. But Affle is nice deputizing in that role, and Affle could come in as a sub late against Seattle now if needed. If Lindsay does start, I think Fuchs is going to try to give it a go. He's going to travel. I have a feeling that Fuchs is going to travel and try. I would not. I can't project Fuchs in. But I don't. I think we have to get. Carujo and McCoon on the same page and, and playing together because they're going to be needed. Maybe walks, maybe walks. But I, th- yeah. I don't think there's any rest issues. That maybe I mean, if 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 Carujo was to rest, let's say, and it was walks and McCoon, then I would get on uh, 
your favorite <laughs> sports book and uh, bet the over in goals. So <laughs> let's just put it that way. Take injury out of the mix for the rest of the season. And if Guzman Carujo is healthy, he will play 90 minutes every match until the end of the season. He's been doing it so far. And the thing is, we do have two weeks off after this match. So there's no, like, the rest can finally come. But, like, guys can give it one last go. I think that's why Shin Yashiki probably still starts, even though he's been putting in a lot of minutes lately. I would like to see him starting in Seattle. And uh, that's an important note, Danny Brams. That's a very important note. It's a give it your all here and, and get your rest. Mm-hmm. In that case, I'm with you. Shin, Shin Yashiki's in the lineup 100%. Yeah, Gaines could start, but I think Gaines will come in. Uh, you know, Shin, Andre has not been a full 90 guy, really. But Gaines has made some improvements. Gaines looks like he's been hitting the weight room. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but he looks he looks stronger. He was stronger in a few moments out there. He needs to hit the weight room, and I think uh, the coaching staff is so good, they understand that as well. He was he's not getting shoved around by the Red Bulls uh, defenders in some, like, in some dual one-on-one situations. It was nice to see. So t- talk to me about this front three. Rios, Shin Yashiki, and... Kerwin V? Kerwin V, baby. Uh, the, uh, Kerwin, Andre, and Danny Boy. Uh, let's keep the Rios scoring streak going. Let's just, let's just put it that way. He's, what do they say about a striker? What do they need? Confidence. There, yep. there can't He's be got anything more confidence boosting than scoring two matches in a row. It sucks to lose, but when you're a striker, you have that sort of that side streak in you that's just like, hey, as long as I'm scoring goals, I'm doing my job. You know, hopefully the team will come with me. You know, it's not it's not an anti-team mentality, but it's just sort of a focus. And I hope he stays focused on it. He's he's playing for his grandfather. The, that memory is sort of fueling him lately. He's been in his goal celebrations. You've seen that, and that can be a powerful motivator. I, what can you say? So before we get out of here, I think we just got to take a look at the midfield and make our predictions for the match, Danny Brass. Well, I think midfield will be – I'm going to come a little off the wall. I think it is time for Jones to start, Bronico sub in at half. Even with the two-week layoff coming on, I'm going to say Jones gets things started for us. I think he needs to play. That's a little bit of a out-there prediction, setting myself to be, up to be wrong or setting myself up to look very smart. So we'll see. Uh, I think Frank goes in. Playing. You think Jones? I you think no choice on no. Jones? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. We can disagree. Uh, Bronico is the most fit player on the team, so if he wants to go for another full 90, I have, I have no beef. I think he will. I don't want to see him rack up another yellow, though, because at some point he'll get suspended just on yellow accumulation. So as clean as he can play with it, carrying it on the field. But let's say it's Franco and Alcivar, maybe TT Ortiz comes in, maybe Ruiz. I, I like to continue to play Yordi. Alcivar is a young developing player who's shown a lot more promise to me than Bender at this point. So let's keep getting him minutes and go with that. Alcivar, uh, last night in the cup match, um, uh, a solid rating, a 7.0 rating. Um, and. One thing I was watching, one thing I was thinking about when I was watching the match last night, and I said out loud, and I should probably say it out loud now, is that his ability on top of free kicks is special. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we saw the Olympico, um, 
but time and time again, Al Sivar has proven, and any time there's a whistle in a dangerous area, I start to think to myself, ooh, this is great. Al is going to be on top of it. He's going to whip it mm-hmm. into the box and make something happen. And that's something really great to have in this, this team. He is, he's the guy. He's the guy. There's, there's nobody else in those free kick situations that uh, I trust as much as, as I trust him. And I think for that reason, um, and I think this is, this is kind of like a fun way to, to end the show, is um, I'm developing a list of undroppables. Okay. I like that. This is a great term. You know, I love a good term. I love a good term invention, so let's go with it. So my undroppables, as we stand today, Carol Swiderski, Guzman Carujo, Christian Fuchs, Brant Bronico, and Asiva. And there's somebody knocking on that door. And Kalina, obviously. Yes, yeah. Kalina, obviously. There's somebody else knocking on that door. Is it Andre? Yes. Nice. Yep. I'm with you. That's the that's the group. That's the group of undroppables. The undroppables. We need uh, we need some artwork made for that for sure. It's been an awesome episode. We went long, um, and I think the reason why we went wrong long is because we went wrong and we went long. <laughs> well, some of my predictions will inevitably go wrong, but I like it. <laughs> hey, it was worth it. I, I'm loving this concept of the undroppables you came up with. Let's get Sean Swaim, our follower who did our show logo to make a little art piece with uh, with Carol, Guzman, Brant, and Kalina, and a little Andre peeking in from the side. The undroppables. <laughs> Please, Sean, the undroppables. Yeah, man. Um, so thanks so much for our listeners for hanging out this week. Um, always fun. Danny Brams, we're going to be uh, wishing you uh, the best of health as as the as you're dealing now with covid and and uh, hopefully hopefully you take care of yourself and um, we'll be available to to chat with y'all on social media throughout the weekend and before the match on on sunday night uh during the match on sunday night which by the way uh, one of my favorite things to do on the show is to share the mls kickoff times with our listeners um so let me go valuable service yeah because and you always know that you never know when the MLS kickoff is going to be if you don't look it up on MLSKickoffTimes.com. How about this? Sunday night, 9.55 Eastern. This is the first time I've faced the reality that we're playing on the West Coast time-wise. Wow, it's great. I'll pro- With this, I mean, I, I am feeling okay, and I appreciate those well wishes, and I would say that I'm at 85 90% even despite this diagnosis. But pending things getting worse, I, I don't know if I can stay up that late. I am tired. I, you know, it, do, it does give me fatigue here with this COVID. And uh, 10 p.m. on Sunday is going to be a stretch. We'll see. Well, you, you know that that's the kick time. And you've got tonight to get some rest. Tomorrow, get some rest. Sleep late on Sunday morning. Stay in bed all day because we're going to need your commentary during the match on Sunday. I'm going to need your commentary anyway. Uh, because uh, watching a match without hearing what Danny Brams thinks, it's like not even watching a Charlotte FC match. I can't, I can't wait to get back in the keep eventually, man. It looks like it'll be another few weeks, but uh, we'll make it happen. And uh, glad we could at least connect over the online world and chat about this team and get some thoughts on. And you know, hope the listeners enjoy it. We love you guys and gals. And what, what a, what a, what a time it is to be a Charlotte FC supporter. It sucks to be out of the cup. 
everything's ahead of us for the league. Let's push the playoffs. Let's go. Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. Catch me on Twitter at John Hayes on air. Catch Danny Brams on Twitter at Danny Brams. And of course, follow the show at For the Crown. Baby, I'm going to go on the record and say that Charlotte FC loses on Sunday night um, in Seattle. And I think it is a repeat three to one loss for, for Charlotte FC. And boy, do I hope I'm wrong. It's a strong prediction. Uh, probably not financial advice, but probably worth betting on something like that, just to be honest, the probability wise. But I'm never going to predict that over from this corner. I'm going nil nil. We go grind it out, baby, and just play some ugly soccer and get a hell out of the West Coast with a point and come back. Longest road trip we'll make this year. So let's. Uh, Let's make it ugly. You know what? I love it. Um, there's nothing better than a grinded result, and I'll make a, a stupid golf analogy because at this point I think y'all know how much I love golf on the show. Um, in the middle of a golf round, if you're if you're you know five foot for par and, and you've played terrible on that hole, the goal at that point is to, to get in the hole and get the fuck out of there. And the goal for Charlotte FC, Sunday night in Seattle, is to get a point and get the fuck out of there. So, until next time, I'm John Hayes, he's Danny Brams, and as always, it's for the crown, baby. <laughs>